Welcome to the Harnessing Happiness podcast. Upbeat vibes generated and transferred to you. Now here's your host, Sarah J. Naylor. Hello and welcome to Harnessing Happiness with myself, Sarah J. Naylor. Thank you, as always, for stopping by and listening to my podcast. Quick shout out to myself because I sponsor my own show. (laughs) Um, I'm Sarah Jane Ella, as you know, and I am a coach, author, speaker, writer, podcast host. Did I mention that? Anyway, yes, you can find me at sarahjanehaler.com. So please do get in touch, have a chat about whatever it is you want to talk about. That wasn't too painful, was it? So I am now going to get on with the show and introduce you to another Sarah. Yes, not one, but two Sarahs today. I don't know what you call two Sarahs, but anyway. Um, probably just trouble. <laughs> so anyway, I'm going to hand over to the fabulous Sarah and she can introduce herself to you all. So please, Sarah, do introduce yourself to my awesome audience. Hi, everyone. And thanks for having me here, Sarah. So I'm Sarah Woodward and I'm a breakup and divorce coach and positive psychology coach as well. So I help women to rediscover happiness after going through adversity in life, such as a divorce, so that I can live a life even better than before because I truly believe that that is actually possible. Absolutely because you're living proof of that and so am I. Yes, we can do it. We can we can rule the world. It's been a long time since my divorce. 17 years in fact. Good grief. <laughs> Although I've had another relationship break up in the meantime. How many years for you? 19 since we separated, yeah. Wow, 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 wow. That is a long time. So, yeah, I thought I was 17 years was a long time for me. But you know what? It's not just divorce, though, is it, Sarah? I mean, it, it, you know, because obviously not everybody gets married. I had a relationship breakdown myself. Oh, I don't know. What was it? Seven, yeah, seven years ago. Because he left me about five or six weeks before my 50th. So that was nice. Um, so it doesn't need to be a marriage, does it? It's just it's a relationship break breakdown so you know so what but what prompted you to get into all of that then so was it your own experience please share give us some backstory (laughs) I'm always nosy (laughs) my background is I'm actually an accountant so I trained with Pricewaterhouse as they were then and then I went on to work at Sony for 15 years doing various roles in finance and set up their indirect procurement department but what I always loved in those roles was coaching and developing my teams and and some of my colleagues in HR always said you know you should have been in HR I really on that side of it and yeah I always thought about coaching in 2011 Sony outsourced all their back office function so I took redundancy which was like you know one of the best things ever it's always really difficult to leave a well-paid job isn't it and and, and take that risk yeah. yourself so it's great to leave with redundancy and have a package behind me I did a lot of traveling um, my passion is wildlife photography which I discovered after my divorce and then I, I set up working with small businesses to help them with their finance. But in 2016, I decided to uh, bite the bullet and qualified as a life and business coach, which, uh, yeah, I absolutely love. And I just felt a lot more confident that I had, you know, I had that qualification and that experience behind me and felt like I had the credibility. And at that time, I didn't know what I wanted to coach in. So I carried on with my, my finance work. And then a few years later, I found out about divorce coaching. I'd never heard of it before. It's still relatively new in this country. It's huge in the US. Oh, there's a surprise. 
so yeah and apparently Australia as well is really big in and I did a qualification so now I'm like an accredited breakup and divorce coach practitioner which means that I've got specific tools and techniques to help people that are going through a breakup because you said it's not just divorce and then the reason it really appealed to me is that I know it would have made such a difference to me when I went through my own divorce I really struggled and I was stuck for a long time I hadn't seen the split coming I was completely blindsided by it and I didn't know how to help myself I just didn't have the tools I had a lot of therapy but I found I was just saying the same thing and going over the same things week after week it wasn't giving me the practical tools to help me focus on my future and to take the step to start moving on really and I just know the coaching would have made such a difference yeah because coaching is so different isn't it to therapy because therapies tend to focus in on the problem whereas coaching and when you're talking about positive psychology you're looking at solution focused outcome thinking and you're looking at looking at things in a different light you're shifting your perspective you're looking at the opportunities rather than the problem and it's not that you don't acknowledge that but it's not a about looking at that and exploring it and understanding and let's pick it apart, give it all the energy because actually where your focus goes, energy flows. So you know, let's let's look at something more positive. Look at all the things you can do now you're divorced. Hurrah! <laughs> Exactly. And it is exactly like you said, it's about reframing that for people, isn't it? And making them turn it around. And like you say, you acknowledge the problem, but you don't dwell on it, turning it around for them. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I remember when I say left my ex-husband, I mean, it, I'd got caught up into that relationship. I mean, we've been together 20 years of those married 10. But I didn't realise the life I was living wasn't a normal life because it had been sort of manoeuvred, let's say, and I hadn't realised he was a narcissist, um, into a position whereby I really didn't see, well, I didn't have any personal friends, didn't go out with anybody. In fact, after my son had been born, I didn't go out for six years. When I did eventually leave, once my eyes had been sort of opened up, if you like, and I ended up back at home with my parents, sharing my old bedroom with my son for nine months. You know, suddenly it was like, I'm starting to build a life. But like you say, it's like, well... My mum gave me a bit of advice, say yes to everything. (laughs) I used to say yes to things. And I had to learn very, very quickly as well to adapt. You know, when people were letting me down, you know, I'd suddenly got some free time because I and I could go out. But if I'd made arrangements and somebody would let me down, you know, it's like, great. Friday night, my parents' sofa, you know, my parents are in the 70s. Here's me in my 40s. Well, actually, no, I was 39 at the time when I first left. So I was 39, just heading towards 40. So I don't really want... But actually, coming back to the reframe, how can I use this time to my advantage? What can I do in this time that suddenly I couldn't have done had I been going out? And so I had to learn very quickly to adapt to that because I think I might have spiralled. I think as it was, I, I worked through a breakdown in those first few months because... You know, even just starting dating again, it was really bizarre. I mean, I don't know how you approach this with your clients, Sarah, but um, I felt guilty about dating until my divorce had come through. How bonkers is that? Yeah, it is mad, isn't it? I guess that's just, you know, some of the values we have really, isn't it? And it's, you know, helping the clients realise, you know, when's the right time for them to start dating. There's not a right or wrong time generally. Nothing's right or wrong. But, you know, it's interesting just as well, just coming back to one of the things you said about, you know, you hadn't realised he was a narcissist. That is so common. And that's one of the things that's really shocked me in my work with clients. That so many women, highly intelligent women, are with guys that have narcissist tendencies. They've been in controlling relationships. And because, it, as you said, it happens so gradually over time, that then becomes your known, your new normal and you don't know any different until someone opens your eyes to it and you think actually this isn't normal behavior and even this morning I was having a conversation with a client who her husband is clearly 
has financial control over her, but she just thinks that's normal. She doesn't know any different. It's been a real eye-opener for me. Yeah, it's it's really curious. I mean, I recognised that I'd obviously played my part in allowing it to happen, but it, in, in allowing it to happen, I'd allowed it to happen in an unconsciously incompetent manner because I didn't realise what I was doing, but... You know, in order because I'm a kind of person that likes sort of harmony. I, I used to say, oh, because his, his behaviour, I used to, oh, I just let it wash over me. Well, you don't. You're absorbing it, but you don't realise you're absorbing it. And you used to do things to sort of hold the peace. And and I kind of socialised during the day, so I didn't realise because I was working in recruitment and I didn't know what I was missing because I was in a sociable environment. And we would socialise with his fr- his family, who I was friends with, and I would socialise with his friends because I was friends with them, but I didn't have any independent... Yeah, I just literally didn't have those independent... Didn't even know it was a coffee shop. Didn't, I hadn't been to a coffee shop. And there had been times prior to that that my mum had got me out and I was going line dancing with her because I just... I literally... Didn't. In fact, I used to joke with the girls at work that, oh, I don't have a life. And I used to I used to enter competitions. So I used to enter and win a lot of competitions. But then I'd get sort of in the net. Why are you looking at the mail as you're walking in the house? Because I'm walking past it. Well, you should be doing this and you should be doing that. But coming back to your point about intelligent women getting caught up into it, I wondered, and it was something that dropped into my head as you were saying that, that I think strong women look for a strong man. And I think sometimes that strength that we potentially see isn't a strength at all, but it's demonstrate that but men who are narcissists demonstrate this sort of stronger character. I'm just surmising, and so you get attracted to it. Yeah, there's, de- there's definitely that, and there's the whole love bombing thing. But also, the other thing is generally, so my clients, as well as being highly intelligent, they're highly empathetic as well, and I think that means that you're more likely to make excuses their behaviour to start with and once you've let something slide it's then very difficult to go back on it and actually say actually that is an acceptable behaviour and I always talk to my clients about you know having boundaries and it's like if you can imagine it's like a brick wall and the first time that you accept some behaviour that you're not really happy with it's like taking a brick out of that wall Uh, and gradually over time as their behaviour gets worse the brick wall falls down and you've got no boundaries left and you, you know, that you, you're just surrounded by this behaviour that's not acceptable and it's not healthy and potentially toxic as well. But I think a lot of it's because we're highly empathetic and we make excuses for them, thinking, "Oh, they're just having a bad day, they're just stressed," and brush it off, and then it continues and it just becomes the norm. Yeah, and, you, you, and because it becomes your normal, it's just like it is. It is normal because I, I mean, I would never pertain to being a victim in any of that time. So I'd always fight my corner. We're not arguing; we're just having a heated discussion because there's a lot of stuff that we wouldn't argue. But if it was emotional, it would be an, there would be an argument about it. But it would just like, well, no, I'm, I'm not standing for that. But I kind of like because I just accepted that when you're in a relationship, you, you gave yourself over to that. Gave you so much. You make it work. You know, you you make it work. And my mum had said something to me at one point about midway through our relationship. Oh, you like a challenge, you do. And of course, that pro went. Oh yes, well, I clearly like a challenge. <laughs> it took me another challenging relationship to realise that I can actually have my challenge at work <laughs> and through all the other stuff that I do. You know, like. Oh, actually, I was going to say like recording podcasts, but actually that's not a challenge. It's an enjoyment. And once you're actually with the right person, as I am now, it's about supporting each other and just enjoying your time together. It doesn't have to be hard work. So anybody that's out there, and I'm sure you'll echo this, it's like, you know, yes, you can change and you can reframe and you can look at things and you can deal with things in a different way. But invariably, 
the person that you're with isn't going to necessarily like that. So there is chance. I mean, my last relationship broke down because of that. I, I didn't know what I was doing. But I, and I went and actually had some EFT and she said, look, if you have this, it, will, it could be the end of your relationship. I said, well, I cannot continue behaving the way that I'm doing, putting him before me. Don't know why I'm doing it. It's something that's somewhere in my psyche, no idea why. And then that's when, say, seven years ago, he upped and left. But best thing, and I was on my own for five years, which was brilliant as well. It makes it, you know, when you have that time, it's it's pretty damn awesome, actually. <laughs> yeah, you've, got no, you've got no one, you know, you can be really selfish. You don't have to think about anyone else. You can think about what you want to do in your life, what makes you happy. And, you know, it can be a real sense of like freedom and liberation, really. Absolutely. I think you, you alluded to it as about making you happy and connecting what, with what it is within you that makes you happy and, and sort of expanding upon that and embracing it and enjoying it. That radiates out and then you're going to attract that back into you, aren't you? Exactly. And some of the clients I have, because they've done so much compromising in their relationships and they've been with their partner for so long, they've actually lost sight of what makes them happy. And I had a client a few weeks ago, we actually had to sit and do a list. When we started, she was like, I don't know. But by the end of it, you know, she left the session absolutely beaming because she had a list of things to go away and research and start building into her life again. And a lot of the time we're so caught up in everyday life in the rat race that we don't take any time to sit back and reflect and think about well what actually does make me happy and am I have I got enough of that in my life no exactly and, I, and I'm all for happiness and you've just triggered something in saying that do you know it took me a long time to learn to be able to take a compliment something as simple as a compliment because I used to deflect it I, I was so used to being wrong-footed and questioned and put down and why are you wearing this why are you, why are you bending down like that why do you have to use all the pots in the kitchen why do you have to use a recipe to cook a meal no gratitude no thanks but just constant sort of yeah wrong-footed being put down but it took me such a long time and it wasn't until somebody pointed out to me that actually when somebody gives you a compliment you know, it's about accepting that compliment because if actually if you're rebuffing it, it's not being very kind to the person that has bestowed the compliment on you. That's exactly the same thing that someone said to me, even maybe in my coaching or something, that, that made the difference for me. It's, it's, termed, it's like reframing it in terms of how you're making the other person feel. And that makes all the difference, doesn't it? I think if you're rejecting them, if you're not accepting their compliment. Exactly. God, I mean, it's such a journey, isn't it? And that, like you were saying to start with, had you known back then, you'd, I mean, the, the power of coaching to help people. I mean, it's like crushing time for people. Now we've got these skills, you know, you, 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 that learning that we've taken, what did you say, 19 years since you got divorced and it's 17 years since I got divorced and, and all, the, all the time that's elapsed in the meantime, you can compound that and you can help people fast track that so they don't have to, <laughs> have to use so much time getting to the same point. You never know what's around the corner. So. And you can't get time back, can you? You cannot get time back. And I do feel like I wasted a good three and a half years of my life looking back. I, I was so stuck in the depths of grief and I'll, I'll never get those years back at what was, you know, prime time of my life. You know, anything you can do to help people get through that and like you said, fast track the process has got to be worth it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm still embracing it all now. And I think the thing is, is the more you embrace, the more you peel back, the more excitement <laughs> I just get. I do get excited about life, and I, sometimes I, I, I sort of I, I laugh and I sort of apologise because oh, it's, it's, it's excited. But it is it's what you focus on, and you know what your mum said to you about saying yes to things. That's what I always say to my clients: be open to opportunities. And that was like for me actually the big turning point in getting over my divorce was going booking myself on my own for six nights, which was way out of my comfort zone. I'd never done anything like that. I'd never been on my way 
uh, been away on my own before, let alone shared a tent with someone I didn't know. But it was about grasping that opportunity and going outside my comfort zone and trying to put my fear aside that was life-changing for me. And you never know what's the other side of saying yes to those opportunities. Exactly, exactly. I do, And I have found, though, now, because I said yes to so much, that now I need to sort of say, say no to things because there's, there's so many opportunities that come, come my way that, you know, you, you have to be careful of the, the shiny object syndrome. Going, ooh, 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 which, which I was half accused of with the podcast a year ago because actually as we are recording this today it is because it's my birthday today Um, and I released my first ever podcast episode on my birthday on the 19th of October 2021 and it's just been amazing what a journey and that was you know I had to sort of put it on hold to start with when it was I first I thought ah I just wasn't quite the right time so I sort of um, deferred by about I don't know six seven weeks or something like that and then it suddenly just all fell into place and it's just magical but you just don't know where it's going to where it's going to take you and it's just opening those doors but as we you know we, we've we've spoken about previously you know it's about recognizing how coaching can help you know we both know that sometimes I think people almost need coaching to help the coaching so kind of come on you know that it's it's great once you start to embrace it once you see the there's a transformation that can take place and how your life can change in such a short space of time rather than going, oh, well, I'll try and work it out my own. And yeah, well, two or three years later, you're still stuck. You're still in the same place. But actually, if you start to embrace stuff, because it's those conversations, those contacts, those opportunities that take you on a different trajectory. can't say that word. Trajectory. <laughs> but I tell you what got me thinking as well with you saying your background. Are you with when you're working with your clients? Because as we know, the whole the whole thing, particularly divorce, separation, um, well not separation, divorce and relationship breakdowns. Invariably, when you have been living with somebody, there is a lot to do with finances that need to be sorted out. And if it, in the case of divorce, they always recommend that you get that bit sorted before the divorce is finalised. But when you're working with people, I imagine that you can really help them on that score as well because understanding how that all works because it's a bit of a minefield in itself, isn't it? It is, and there's a massive financial disclosure you have to go through um, filling out your forming. I'm sure you remember that. That was so daunting for me and and that was, as an accountant, I found it really daunting. There's so much information you have to get together. But yeah, although I don't give financial advice, I've been known on a session to literally set up an Excel spreadsheet with a client and help them put a budget together. And, and, and things like that and, and just to be able to talk them through bit by bit in terms of getting the information together that they need for the for me and helping them get some clarity on it as well and to start because a lot of the time you know they're probably procrastinating on it which is exactly what I did and it's just breaking it down into small steps for them so they can get started and get the momentum going but yeah it does come in handy that I have got the finance background and I can explain things to them as well. Yeah because I mean that's that's got a lot to do with it you know sort of like I think that's what keeps a lot of women in relationships or people generally, I guess, in relationships. I'm going to say I don't want to be just saying it's women. It's not. It's the finance. Oh, well, you know, if if I get... And I think this is true of a lot of men as well, actually thinking about conversations I've had with sort of clients, potential clients and people over... You know, only just recently, you know, there's that whole financial aspect because if you've got kids, invariably, if it's the woman that's getting divorced, she'll end up with a home and the... I'm, I'm, just, I'm just being very sort of generalistic... 
And often, quite often the man's got, there's not a lot left to live on. And so therefore people stay together because they can't afford to get divorced. But that's no good for anybody. There's some interesting statistics around that. Um, a new survey came out last week that shows that at the moment with the cost of living crisis, a third of couples that have split up are still living together. Financially, they can't afford to separate. And also there's other studies that have been done that show that men end up much better financially generally after divorce than a woman as well. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, because I, I thought it might be the other way around, actually, because, you know, you sort of hear some sort of stories. But I guess it depends. I don't know. It depends on people's circumstances. I mean, I, mine wasn't too bad. Sort of. I didn't really get much in terms of maintenance, but I did get sort of a, a, a larger portion of the sort of the, the sale of the house. But maintenance of £100 a month didn't really go very far. So. Certainly wouldn't nowadays, would it? But, no. Um, yeah, it's going to be really interesting over the next, I don't know, year, 18 months with the cost of living crisis as to how that affects couples because also it's going to put even more pressure on relationships as well, a bit like COVID. What's the sort of process? Where do you take them from and where are you taking them to? And, yeah, talk me through. I'm just fascinated to know really what, like a divorce coach, like you were saying, you wish you'd had somebody. I mean, I had no one to talk to back in the day either, but now... You know, there's people like yourself out there that can do that. So what is the process? What is, how, how do you, I, how I do guess, you work firstly, it? I get clients come to me at three different stages. So the first one is when, um, and this seems to be more common at the moment in terms of my clients, it's women that are in relationships that are thinking they want to leave. So what I w- the first stage I would do with them is, you know, we would go through all their reasoning. We would make sure that there's really nothing they can do to make their relationship work because if they do decide to leave, we want to make sure they're doing that with no regrets and they know they've done the right thing. So that's really important. The second type of person I would say is where I was when I went through my divorce, completely heartbroken by it, didn't see it coming, wasn't expected. So the first phase of my program that I do with them is basically helping them deal with what's happened, helping them start to be able to cope with all those negative emotions, you know, the heartbreak, the upset, the anger, the grief, the denial, you know, beating themselves up, wondering what's wrong with them. So we spend a lot of time giving them the tools to be able to help themselves on a day-to-day basis so that they can start down dialing down all those negative emotions. And I would do things like help them rebuild their confidence and their self-esteem, rediscover who they are again, because as we said earlier, you so often lose yourself in a relationship. Um, so, you know, kind of the next part is about, well, what brings you happiness in life? You know, what what do you need to start building into your life to make you happy? And then the third phase is very much around creating a future that they're excited to wake up to again. And it's like, you know, as you said early on, this is like a clean start for you. This is the next chapter of your life and you can make it exactly how you want it. It's entirely up to you. So it's trying to reframe everything and get them excited about all the opportunities out there. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, there are. I mean, I, I, one of the things I recognised was, hey, you know, I've actually got the opportunity here to have a second stab at life in this lifetime and do it my way. I mean, it's not to say I've not made any errors. Like I've, I think I've already alluded to another, another challenging relationship. The universe sends us, what we, the, you know, the lesson until we learn it, doesn't it? Exactly, exactly. But uh, do you know what? He was a teacher. I recognise that and I've gra- I have gratitude for that because I actually learned so much. And I think that's, again, I mentioned about being on my own for five years and, you know, that was very much the case. You know, I had to sort of learn a lot and I decided, you know, I'd rather be on my own than be in another challenging relationship. And now I've got, I mean, I'm two years, two 
two plus years into a very, very wonderful relationship. And it's just, it's so worth waiting for. So anybody that's listening, you know, it's not about, you know, being in a relationship doesn't necessarily make you whole, you make you whole. But if you're in the right person, you know, your life is enhanced. And there's so much you can do when you are single that you can't do when you're in a, well, I say you can't do when you're in a relationship. You you can do if you're with the right person, but there's, you do different things, don't you? It's what you explore. And it is about learning to be happy on your own again. And exactly as you've just said, and then I think when you're happy with yourself, then you attract the right partner who, like you said, enhances your life, you know, makes it better, makes you happier, and also helps you grow and develop as well. They don't hold you back, um, and they grow with you as well. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, say the, say the last couple of years with Gareth have just been amazing, and it's just like, oh, my gosh, you know, it's just the stuff that we do together and, you know, we do on our own, and he always tells me I look lovely, and I never, I've never been used... I hadn't been used to that, and yeah, wishing me well, and it's just, yeah. You can talk to men and women. I mean, I didn't dare sort of speak to other men or mention other men because it was just caused so many issues, which is crazy, absolutely crazy but that's their insecurities no, and not then you yours walking around on eggshells trying to promote the situation oh yes oh i know all about eggshells <laughs> how many eggshells good lord and yet when you look back and you laugh about it but it's just like you've been through it but actually when you've been through it you can have empathy and you can understand and you can help somebody else so it's part of your journey to then go and serve and help other people because life is for enjoying it it's not it's not for enduring it's for enjoying you know and if you feel at disease with something it's it's because it doesn't feel yeah i mean i used to understand i could walk home from work and think i can understand why people just want to vanish and disappear which is horrible i don't know and the penny still didn't drop sarah (laughs) (laughs) but when but when you're in that kind of world and your partner's controlling and you've not got access to other people you know that's what they do they isolate you from your friends and family you just don't know any different or know that you've got any other options really and a lot of the time you haven't got the confidence and the self-esteem either to to make that break well I think if I talk from my own experience it had been a drip 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 effect over so many years that there wasn't anything I didn't have the conversations when I think about the discussions even just look you know obviously recording the podcast now I didn't have the conversations it wasn't that I lacked confidence but I I had no idea life was any different. You know, I'd been, as we just said, you know, manoeuvred. I'd allowed it to happen. When I met him, I was 19 and it was, he was different. It was in a band and, you know, we used to do stuff with his friends and I'd done two years of clubbing with mine and I was ready for a change. And suddenly we went down to London, we came back, we were the opposite side of the notting where I live and creating, bought our first house. And so life becomes very different because you're doing stuff together you know, and suddenly you're in a different world. Your mortgages, your early 20s with a mortgage, you're not going out. It, I mean, at the time it was like, do we buy 10 fags or a pint of milk? You know, those were the sort of choices we made. <laughs> I don't smoke. I haven't smoked for years. But, you, you know, that, that was that was it. We were doing up houses. We might go out and see some of his friends. He was in a band. And so it just kind of suddenly... Those years vanish and actually you know no different. So for anybody listening, you know, don't you know, beat yourself up about it. It kind of happens. But once you then start to understand that there's another life out there, I mean, I effectively had my 20s in my 40s. 
you know, and sort of explored and learned and discovered so much as I sort of went, embarked on that journey of, you know, exploration of the self. And, you know, 18 months after I left, and I do recount this story quite often, my ex-husband turned around to me on my doorstep and he was, I don't know, we were exchanging my son. You know, he said, you've become the person it would have been if it not been for me. And it wasn't meant as a compliment, you know, at all. It was like, well, you know, you've just become the person you would have been if it hadn't been for me, sort of with a very sort of like detrimental, sort of patronising sort of air. And, you know, it took me, even after the divorce, six years to stop him being able to twist because he'd mentally played with my head. I won't use the F word here on my podcast, but because he'd (laughs) he'd played with my brain so much, you get to that point of going, oh, maybe he is right. Maybe it is me. Whereas, you know, I very much trust my instinct and my, my gut instinct and my intuition. And I always did. But then there was always this, you know, well, you always have to have the last word you do. And he was having the last word. Do you know what I mean? And there was just like this constant. And then you go, well, you know, I'm a strong person. So please, people, anybody that's listening, well, how, you know, however you are, you have got strength because you're, you're, you're strong to stay in the relationship. But actually use that strength to to bring about the changes or, or you'll reach out to people like Sarah or myself. I mean, I'm not a divorce expert, but I have been through it. <laughs> because, you know, it's your life has been manipulated. Yeah, and it's as you said, it happens so gradually. Over time, you just don't realise it and you are made to start, doubt, to start doubting yourself as well. When you're told something often enough, you start doubting yourself. Absolutely. And I used to get faces pulled at me even when I was on the phone to mum. What are you talking to her about that? But, you know, when I'd have my son, you don't need your mum to come and help you. So... <laughs> Need someone to help me. I haven't got a clue. I've never held a baby before. Now I've got one. <laughs> yeah. So when she used to come up, you know, it wasn't like it, she didn't, but it wasn't, you know, I was always made to feel uncomfortable about stuff, you know, and make, so hence not being able to take a compliment. And yeah, so I've come, I've come a long way, come a long way, but I have become the person I wouldn't have been if it hadn't been for him. <laughs> so yes, bring it on. <laughs> so how long did it take you then to sort of really sort of get out of it and why was it such a surprise i'm curious to know why it sort of hit you and what happened right almost 19 years ago um i just didn't know any different and you know when i asked him about it afterwards he said he'd hidden his feelings so well i never would have known and you know i think he was having an affair he just didn't admit that i think that was why he left but you know even to this day that's still not being confirmed so you know um you know when i look back there were potentially signs but certainly at the time, I, I, I didn't see see any of it. I thought, you know, we had a great life. He was my best friend. And, and I would say it took me a good five years, really, to get over it and and start moving on properly with my life. And that's, you know, life's too short to waste those years, isn't it? Actually, you know, at, at that age, I was 35. It's quite long. You were young as well when you, when you were divorced. And there's so many more things you can be doing with your life. Exactly. How long have you been together then? What, we were 19, met at university as well. Same oh, wow. So very, very yeah. similar to... All my adult life, that's all I'd known. Yeah, likewise, likewise. You know, I'd, I'd sort of... Li- I was born... My parents are still living in the house that I was born in and I'd sort of worked locally, met him and, yeah, 19 to, 20, 19 to 39, we were together and it didn't... Yeah, you just evolve and you don't know any different. I think I think the divorce was a shock to him. He didn't see it coming, but then I didn't see it coming either. It was just like there was a, there was a sort of a, a series of things that just sort of happened then suddenly you know went from having a cooking a dinner for his birthday which I got no thanks for to the divorce courts within about two weeks <laughs> it was just like a final straw for you was it when you just realized there was a series of things if I'm honest there was um 
we'd been out to Australia without, I mean, obviously with, on this podcast, it's not really the time to sort of go into it. We haven't got the time to sort of really talk about it all, but we'd been out into Australia and we were looking at going out there. I'd got flights booked, a hotel booked, um, and interviews lined up because we, we thought we'd be able to get out there on his back of his work as a carpenter joiner because they usually those are the trades that they want but we couldn't couldn't get out there on the back of my relatives out there and just suddenly looked into recruitment at the time because this was before I sort of embarked on coaching and suddenly people wanted me because I've got a really strong stable career in recruitment and I got like half a dozen interviews lined up flights booked and and, and he was becoming more and more difficult about the whole fact that I would need that we would need to put the house on the market here I would need to go out there start to build the life up so that we could all move out there it all fell apart it, it literally there was there were some other bits and bobs going on at the time you know it often gets to that point doesn't there there's one thing that's just like a final straw the turning the turning point yeah it just all sort of crashed and then my mum said i'll be waiting for you to tell me that for, th- for 20 years and she had this before i could change my mind um and then i think i lived through very much of a breakdown i was we'd got a big house we'd moved into and we'd been doing up and you know it was, it was big like four double bedrooms and two sets of stairs and things like that that you thought we'd be able to coexist in but it was just a nightmare because you know it's just when you're when you're in and you refer to the, the, the statistics because of the current situation but when you are coexisting in an environment that's toxic it just doesn't work i mean for example we were going to the divorce we'll do the divorce our way we'll go through a mediator no 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 that's you telling me you want me to do it how you want me to do it no i'm going to a solicitor thank you very much you know it's stuff like that but this constant just you always gone out because he, he did originally say well i'm leaving but and he'd left and i was going phew and then within four hours he was back i was told i'm not supposed to leave i need to stay in the house and it wasn't until my um my boss actually intervened and contacted my parents i'd been working for the same business for a very uh, for a long time and they said you need to get her out of there and behind my back they orchestrated it and had me go oh, come come over for easter overnight and um, bring fred with you just have a, a break and da, 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 da. and it had all been orchestrated and that's what got me out because i was yeah it's all about you know it's something one of the first things i do with the clients is make sure they've got their support team in place to go through this because divorce is, you know, as you know, it's the second most traumatic thing you can go through in your lifetime. And you need those people around you to, to support you. And, and, and often it's not actually the people that you expect. It's not always those that are closest to you because quite often they're too invested in the situation and they can't be as objective about it as, as you would need them to be. And they don't always give you the right advice so it's identifying who those people are that you you need around you to support you as well absolutely absolutely i mean i i was lucky you know my parents were there and i, I really didn't have another set of, i didn't have anybody else but the, the actual friends that i had got that i could have called upon at that time what had gone traveling to india not that i'd sort of been socializing with a particular i had started to see her in that last sort of year i'd started to pick up another one had moved to france another one had moved to where was she in wiltshire that was it i mean we'd, we're not talking about very many people that i could potentially have called upon and they weren't available either um but what i did do was i started to you know meet people through school fred school and move and start to make connections and those friends predominantly I've still got to this day and I sort of value them and, and then suddenly when the divorce was through I went on my first date in, in, in <laughs> and had had my first boyfriend who was um 11 was he 11 or 12 years younger than me getting <laughs> I love it yeah 
<laughs> I mean, the relationship didn't last, but we're still friends. We're still friends. Great for the confidence. And always oh, like yes. It's about <laughs> yes. Mr. Right now, isn't it? It's not necessarily Mr. Right when you just come out of a relationship. And yeah, for me, the dating was the same as well. I had never really dated. I'd been in long-term relationships, been with my husband since I was 19. And the whole dating, what is it, environment, for want of a better word, had, had, had changed as well. There was online dating. And yeah, I mean, that's a massive thing to start, isn't it? Just to start dating again. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, especially as when, I don't know, it was when I started to see, pick up with my friend in that sort of last year who then went off to India and she was on the dating apps and things like that. And my ex-husband referred to them basically as pretty much prostitution sites. So, you know, you, you get kind of the impression... <laughs> And so, you know, for me, it was like, it's sort of embracing this. I mean, even there was, he saw me when I was at my parents and he basically told me I looked like a tart before. I was, and I was just, all I got was jeans on rolled up with a pair of boots, you know, <laughs> wearing a short skirt and a pair of fishnet, fishnets. But um, anyway, I mean, that's, there's, there's so much I could recount. And when I look back and... And it's, it's funny, I've just been reading a book that a lady called Liz McDermott wrote um, that I've done a podcast with as well. And she's a character in there that this person hadn't realised, you know, that we were controlling this. And all these traits, oh, my God, I recognise all of these, you know, and these are just like common traits. But I had no, no concept of them. But I think, you know... <sighs> What can I say? That's something else, you know, I do in terms of helping the clients be aware of what the, you know, looking back what the red flags were so that they're aware of them going forward and they don't repeat the same patterns and go into the same type of relationships they have before. So I think that education and that knowledge is really important to make sure, you know, to ensure their happiness going forward. And it is doing that inner work as well, isn't it? Because it's one thing looking at the sort of the patterns and the behaviour and the relationships, not repeating it, but equally so it's doing that inner work because I think it's all too easy to potentially look for a relationship relationship to be the solution to your own happiness but actually your own happiness comes from within and it's it's important to connect with that and whatever that looks like whatever floats your boat whatever makes your whatever lights you up whatever makes you who you are and it's identifying because identifying those things and you only discover what those things are by trying new stuff whatever that looks like and embracing it I mean I've part of what my I mean I've loved reading and I used to go into like Waterstones and just find books that just you know, I'd be looking on that sort of like the personal development shelf and finding books that jumped out at me going oh this is interesting and absorb it and go oh interesting you know and just exploring all aspects of yourself inside and out because there's so much that makes us tick you know we're not just sort of 2D people are we you know no and, and that's the same for me I've done so much personal development since my divorce, so much learning, so much learning about myself, how the brain works, you know, so much. And all that does is enrich and enhance your life. Then we get excited, don't we, Sarah? <laughs> it's like, yeah, bring it on. I want to share it with everybody else. <laughs> are you ready? Come on board. It's going to be a great ride. <laughs> I can make you happy much quicker than it's helped me to get happy. Let's let's do it. Let's do it today. <laughs> but people have to be ready. They have to have, there's that readiness for change, readiness for actually embracing it and taking it on board and, and rolling with it. And yeah, you just, you literally have to be ready and go, do you know what? Enough is enough. I need to do something different. And it's, and, and the, the choice is always yours. It's always with you, whatever it is, wherever you are in life, whether you're stuck, well, you're, it's your decision. You either stay stuck or you decide to, decide to become unstuck. You want to, you're fed up of being where you are it's your decision. What do you want to do? You know, well, I can't. Yes, you can. It, it, it's the decision that you make. However hard it might appear, it's not. It's harder to stay where you are in all reality. And you can use that strength to move on. Exactly. And actually, quite often, it's making the decision that you're going to change. That's the hard part. 
once you've made that decision, the rest is a bit easier, really, isn't it? It's just making that decision and coming to that point. Make the decision to be happy today. Channel your inner happiness. What floats your boat? <laughs> Go for it. If people are in need of a divorce coach, a you know a relationship coach, somebody that can help guide them through this, how do they how do they get in touch with you? So my website is sarah-woodward.com or can find me on Instagram as well, Sarah Woodward Divorce Coach. Fabulous. So are you on, are you on LinkedIn as well? I am. Same. Sarah yeah. Woodward, yeah. yeah. So you can find Sarah everywhere. Woodward is W-O-O-D-W-A-R-D. <laughs> anyway, so this has been me, Sarah J. Naylor at Harnessing Happiness. Well, you know that because you've tuned in. So please do rate, review, follow, subscribe, whatever you do on your new normal platform. If you want to get in touch with me about coaching equally, you can get me at sarahjnaylor.com. And on the social media as well. Goodness me, so many different platforms. Please tell me that there's not another one coming up. (laughs) That has been me until next time. So thank you very much for listening and uh, lots of love. As I say, until next time, take care. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to the Harnessing Happiness podcast with Sarah J. Naylor. If you took value from the content, please follow the show on your podcast app. And to find out more about Sarah's ape mindset, visit sarahjnaylor.com. That's sarahjnaylor.com.